Bang on. Dun, 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 dun. Bang on. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I was just looking at something. <laughs> you come over, you knock on the door, oh. you sit down. I put a mic in front of you. I say, are we ready? And then as I sing the theme song to you, you're just, off in another world. I was just looking for something that I needed before we started. Hello, Miv. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You look really good. Oh, that's good. I'm, I've been alcohol free this week. I know you've had a longer break than Ooh. I. Every time I do it, I'm just like... Why don't I do this more often? Yeah. It feels so good. I sleep better. I feel brighter. I don't respond to stress in the same ways. Yeah. I'm feeling sharp. Yeah, good. So trying to, you know, as we head into summer, as Melbourne opens up and we yeah. can go out, I've decided to go alcohol-free. <laughs> this is wise. I don't know. I, I, you say you're feeling sharp. I never got that feeling oh, being really? alcohol-free. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we on? I just, I just feel like I'm in that same sleep state regardless of whether or not I've been drinking or not. Um, yeah, that doesn't change for me, sadly. <laughs> I don't feel smarter. In fact, I've been, I've been forgetting a lot more things recently and that just, I mean, it could be early onset dementia, it could be COVID brain, I don't know. It's, it's weird. I reckon the only way that you do remember things is if you just like, like anything, if you repeat over and over again. Mm. And this year we've been so disrupted, all of our usual habits, the things that we do yeah. have changed, the work that we do has changed. And so I reckon that's probably part of it too. And that's interesting. You talk about disruption. We're going to talk about how COVID and the pandemic has disrupted Small things like arts criticism, but also I think the arts industry and how we live our lives as well. So that's coming up for yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But first, some oh. amazing news. Elliot Page has come out as trans in the last day. Yeah, this is fabulous news. Um, Elliot Page is all over social media this week. A statement was released and he has said that uh, it was a really simple statement and a beautiful statement. I want to share with you that I am trans, my pronouns are he, they, and my name is Elliot. I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place in my life. I feel overwhelming gratitude for the incredible people who have supported me along this journey. Just, just lovely to feel so at one with yourself that, that, you can do this and be proud and be happy and exuberant about it. I love that. And I think that, you know, it can't be ignored that this kind of very public coming out, which no one has to do, no one has to come mm. out publicly for anything and share personal parts of their lives, but it makes a difference to all the young kids, all the people yeah. who grew up watching Juno, all the people that have watched Elliot perform in many other TV mm. shows and films since and gone, okay, I can, I can be what I can see. Like it's, it's representation on a very broad mainstream level. And one of the other things that Elliot acknowledged in this long post, which is on his Instagram, and I think that this is really important, is mm. that, yes, it's a great celebration and there's a lot of positivity around this statement and around Elliot coming out. And Elliot also acknowledges privilege as well, mm. his privilege in this situation, being white, being incredibly famous having a platform. But there's a lot of people who, himself included, who are very scared when this sort of stuff mm. happens because trans people are discriminated against more than many other in our society. There are shocking statistics around violence and murder committed against trans men and women yeah. um, in the States. It's something that is just starting to be spoken about more broadly, I think. Mm. And acknowledging that, I think, also does a very powerful thing in sharing 
on a very mainstream level that while this is happening, don't forget that for all the people who don't have an Instagram account with millions of followers, that this is what's going on for so many other people in the community. And I think that that's fantastic that he used that platform to do that. Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. Miff, you sent me a great piece, which we just sort of gave a little teaser about earlier um, in the Washington Post, I think, about arts criticism and how it's shifted in COVID times. And I love this because it speaks not just to arts criticism, but to so much more, doesn't it? Absolutely. Philip Kennicott is the journo behind it. He's an arts critic. He's an architecture critic. He's probably lived his life in that whole world, going out to social events, going to theatre launches, going to art exhibitions. High art. High art. And, you know, I, I think more and more as... Well, through this year we've realised how much popular culture is leaching into our everyday lives, particularly in, in the realms of things like Black Lives Matter. Uh, it's it's intersecting far more. It's not just celebrities now. It's, it's much more than that. People are speaking out. People are doing. So the whole world of criticism is changing. And, and he talks about how the pandemic has actually transformed arts criticism and it may never be the same and that's a good thing. And, and I, parts of this I absolutely agree with. Um, the pandemic, he said, has helped to tip the balance of some of our most painful and persistent conversations, upending the usual rules. Mm. So that's what I mean by popular culture now leaching into arts criticism and creativity in that you can't ignore it now. It's very much one and the same almost. And I love this. And he discusses the demolishing of statues, whereas previously before that was all too hard, we couldn't do that, but they're coming down, social change is happening, we're having difficult conversations and it's front and centre and that will change what we see, what we hear and already has and I think that's brilliant and it's also opened up the doors for so many more people to be involved in what are considered the upper echelons of arts criticism, which is, you know, classical music, visual art and uh, people want to hear from those voices now as opposed to them saying, knock, 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 please let me in. Yeah. I think that sometimes when these things sort of change, you, you, this has already been moving in, in some ways in this in this kind of direction, but it's not until everything sort of stops that you can actually mm. step back and take, you know, a good look objectively and, yeah. and, you know, with great perspective on what it looks like right now. Mm. And this was the biggest, and I hate to use the word, but the biggest disruption we've seen across – pretty much every industry, mm. um, except for online shopping uh, <laughs> this year. <laughs> that stayed. Which has just kept going, you yeah, know, in the same sort of path. Um, but it really made me think this piece about what happens when we return because in America it's a very different story. I think that they're going to be, um, and it is an American piece, they're going to be caught up in a lot of restrictions for a long time with these large organisations, large and small organisations, yeah. because COVID is so rampant there. But here in Australia, as we start to open up and start to return to what we did and how we use our own time and how we value art and sit with a, a book or a painting or an album, I agree with this writer in that I'm thinking more about my own personal connection to it. It has become much more of a personal buy-in in a great way because critics tow this kind of weird line where you do something that you love for work mm. and plenty of people do it as well but when your passion becomes your work it's a really fuzzy line and sometimes art criticism particularly when you're in that sort of cycle of the machine you can kind of become a little bit hardened but I like this writer have sort of taken a step back and thought about 
art and enjoyed art on a much more personal level this year than any before. Mm. And one of the other things that he wrote which really resonated with, with me was this line, perhaps this is most apparent to me in my social life, greatly circumscribed and radically transformed. It's not just that I see fewer people and for less time, but when I do see people, we don't waste time. Conversations get more quickly to the essence, feel less performative and ritualised. And putting aside the fact that every conversation has to have some element of COVID chat in it, I because we can only go to restaurants, at least in Melbourne, where we have a booking for an hour and a half or two hours, or you have to organise people and for a time you had to choose which friends you went to a picnic with because Mm. you had certain limits, all of that stuff really makes you think about living your life with intent. Um, And while some parts of it were frustrating, now that we've come out of it, I'm not losing some of those things. Now we have a lot more freedom. We can walk around without masks. We can drop into places a little bit more casually. There's larger amounts of people in spaces, which is awesome. But I'm still holding on to those elements of valuing my own time and really thinking about the people that I want to share my time with and the art that I want to share my time with um, and give my time to. So Mm. this... This article is about art criticism, but I feel yeah. like it's about so much so more. So much more. Um, well, he says that it's it's led him to more personal, richer criticism and that he's looking at things he wants to look at as opposed to things he has to look at according to the cycle that is dictated by whoever is releasing whatever exhibition or whatever whatever building is built or whatever whatever theatre performance is being performed. It's, it's led to a more personal and enriching position for him. But I think something he really linked in on is the value of art and if anything the whole lockdown situation really showed me the incredible value of art without it what will we have done throughout the whole thing and there's always been well more recently this assumption that that artists that people who are into the arts are the lefty elite and another thing that COVID has shown is that far from it this is not the case um Artists are some of the most struggling within our society. They are some of the most marginalised and yet some of the most creative and give us so much. And I hope that we come out of this valuing the creative process and the people who create the things for us to allow us to think more broadly about the world and to look at things with new eyes. I hope we value that just that little bit more because essentially what the fuck would we have done during all of this had artists not made things for us? Yeah. On a similar tip, Miff, today is International Day of People with Disability and there are a lot of great articles kicking around, a lot of people speaking about their experiences and perspectives that I think for me I really feel as though whenever we talk about diversity we, um, and I'm guilty of this as well, is that I often think people of colour, people from diverse backgrounds um, in terms of cultural backgrounds and women and men and non-binary people but the Disabled community is an area that is often left on the wayside, still on the fringes, and I think that the fact that there's this day but also more conversations around Australians with disabilities or accessibility needs is again growing and, you know, about time. Yeah, and there's been new industry guidelines that um, this article you showed me, Zan, which I loved as well, which is up on ABC online, um, that'll help make gigs more inclusive for Australians who've got disabilities or have accessibility needs as well um, as live music kicks off. So 
there's already been limitations in venues on the number of people and I think in the future uh, the, the venues now are, are obliged to make sure that their venues are accessible, not just from an obvious accessibility viewpoint but from the fact that people are often immunocompromised mm. as well so there still needs to be social distancing and I think that's going to stay with us in the future and I think that's probably a good thing. It's We've all become a little bit more aware of the needs of others during this. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And we've had the time to pause and think when we come back and do this differently because we have to do it differently for a while. But when we come back, if we're changing all these other things, if we're doing things in outdoor stages, mm. if we're making people sit down at gigs or be in small groups separated from other groups, then hells yes, why can't that be also included? It's just a natural progression mm. to actually reach those targets that many people in the disability community have been looking for for a long time. Dylan Alcott has been um, a great spokesperson for this. He runs his own festival, which is fully accessible um, to people. Things like, you know, outdoor festivals, when you think, how does someone who's in a wheelchair actually make their way across these rocky fields where there's no proper roads or paved areas? Things that people who are able-bodied just don't think about at festivals. We complain about how our legs get tired. We don't Mm. think about the fact that people can't even actually get from A to B Mm. from different stages. So it's so good that, again, this pause has made us all think about how we can do it better. And I think that just thinking as we come towards the end of this year and it's been such a challenging year, it's so good to see people grasping onto the positives of COVID because let's be honest we've had it really lucky here in Australia relatively compared to the rest of the world and I'm hoping that these changes that people are proposing do stick with us for the long term Mm. because if you think about what what could we have gained out of this year in a year that felt like so much was lost here are some opportunities for us so let's go for it it's great Now, I don't know if you've noticed, mm. of course you've noticed, we haven't done a fashion update oh. for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> Feed my soul with some fashion. I mean, we're heading into Australian summer, which means mm. we're getting the gear off and it's all about the butts this week. I got sent a couple of great messages. Shout outs to Joe, uh, part of the Bang Fam, yeah. who drew our attention to these wedgie shorts. Oh, yeah. How, how would you describe the myth? Well, look, I've been trying to come up with a description in my own mind of, of what it is that they do. Um, it's, you know, when you get those tea bags and you can pull the string and they get really tight, this second to none romper reminds me of that to get squeeze the water out. It's like a, it's a, it's, it enhances your bum cleavage and it's, it's, it's shorts and it's a jumpsuit and you can, there's a bit of string at the back where you can kind of tighten it up the crack. Yeah. To make really it pull it up there, really pull it up there. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, imagine if you're squeezing all the water out with a bit of string around the tea bag on both sides, like that's what it looks like. That is exactly mm. the perfect description. Yeah, so if they're short shorts. I mean, it's basically just it's almost like body paint, it's so tight, yeah. it's leaving nothing to the imagination. And I do acknowledge that I sound very old right I know. now, <laughs> and I'm happy to be old because, quite frankly, Nick, um, undies up the bum is not comfortable, no. nor is string up the bum um and I just look 
I love fashion, but this is this is kind of this is a bit far for me. I might not be trying this one out, but you'll see it in leggings as well. There's a ruching going on in a lot of leggings, particularly yoga leggings yes. at the moment for the uh, the rounded rounded rear derriere. I guess if you're working hard for it, you want to show it off. Absolutely, right? it's it's the new boob. <laughs> you got to get that form and fit, and I like that. Like I like admiring it because. If you've got a great ass, you've got a great ass, you know. Like I, I celebrate that, but I just could not do it. I don't want anything else up there. <laughs> I can't even. I'm I'm at the granny undie stage of my life. Comfort, all oh, about comfort. I'll hail a full breeze. Yeah, this is not for me, this uh, is, sadly. This is follows on as well from a trend which I saw a lot, particularly when I was overseas for a spell last year in summer. Oh, the, wow, you went overseas? <laughs> remember that? Wow. Just squeezed it in. Gosh. Everywhere in North America no, and Mexico, no. everyone was wearing the wedgie, the oh, wedgie yeah. Um, yeah. bikinis. And, and it, like... Each to their own. Mm. Uh, that no, tiny triangle with a bit of string, that's it, isn't it? Yeah. Just kind of. Or even like the full brief but fully wedged up there. Up Every there. time I looked, I was like, aren't you Pick uncomfortable? It out. Pick it out. Aren't you uncomfortable? Like is that is that why it's become a thing? People are too embarrassed to pick it out because like I come from a, <laughs> a whole, you know, like our gen were picker outers, weren't we? Yes. Ne- Netball. Are you saying that this is a generational thing? Picking I don't know. Out wedgies is a generational thing. Maybe they don't thing. want to pick out the. I don't know. Maybe they're embarrassed. I'm not sure. If you're embarrassed about picking them out, don't worry. It's fine. It's fine. I still pick out a wedgie. Oh, there I is love help, it. though. I look around first and then you go, you do the hand in, in the week. <laughs> <laughs> if you're heading into summer and you're thinking, my butt's not wedgie ready, mm. not ready to get the, um, the cheeks out, there's also help at hand there because another Bang Fan member, Alex, sent me um, what can only be described as a butt mask. Mm. So you have a face mask yeah. that you put on and, and peel off, the leave it on with 15 the minutes. The sort of nose angle and Yeah, mouth. you look like Jason from Halloween. Yeah. Um, is it Jason from Halloween? No. From, I don't is watch it? scary movies. Hang on. I'll do that again. You look like someone in a scary movie mm. basically. But this is for your butt and I'm guessing it's just to cleanse um, any blemishes, any really? butt blemishes. <laughs> It's a butt mask, Miff. What? Oh, they're not ch- cheap either. They're How for $50. To for put three. a bit of slap <laughs> on your... No, 50 bucks. They look like they're made like with gold leaf as well. Probably, what the hell? Probably. And, and I like the photograph that accompanies this. It's got them lying... Are they in, in the pool on Lilo's yep. with gold leaf laying over their their rounded butt cleavage. Yeah, I love it that they're actually choosing to wear the mask in a social setting, not as something to do before you go out, but actually mm. with the girls, yeah. just have a butt mask afternoon. Oh. <laughs> it's Hang on a minute. bottomless brunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck mimosas. <laughs> we don't need those. Um, oh, goodness, maybe we can have a just a butt mask day for Bang Fam. No. For all genders, everyone's invited. It's because, you know, butts are everyone's. Like our annual fashion parade when we do do Bang On Live, I will observe but not take part. Oh, come on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm up for it. If you sent me a very wholesome news article, share elephant. I haven't heard those two words together since you told me about Cher's concert with the fake elephant on oh, stage. The best. Well, she obviously has an affinity for elephants, hence why she included a fake elephant, which was amazing. <laughs> 
I went with Bang Boy and we were in the front row because of a ticket muck-up and it was the best thing ever. <laughs> but Cher, I mean, she's she's been politically outspoken and she's also an advocate for the rights of mistreated animals and in the last week, even during COVID, she has taken herself to Cambodia to welcome an elephant, an elephant that she saved who was known as the world's loneliest elephant in a zoo in Pakistan that mm. has been closed down. Its partner died, Akava, I think is his name, something like that. And um, partner died and it was just really, really sad, horrible situation. And she's been campaigning to campaigning. this elephant for years. It's not a good zoo. Nah, not a good zoo. But he's out and he's been flown to Cambodia. She's gone there in the middle of COVID. I mean, she'd be vulnerable. She, I don't know how old Cher is. She's beyond time. But... <laughs> I imagine it's probably not great for her to travel right now, but she was there to welcome. And there's a little video if you want to go and have a quick look and feel good today, go and have a look because you get a tiny glimpse. They're saving it for the documentary, I can tell. Oh, yeah. But when she starts singing, do you believe in life after love? (laughs) And you can see he's doing the side head (laughs) like that. He's doing it like that 70s, you know, that one on the dance floor. The elephant. Yeah, the elephant. (laughs) And it's like, oh, I cannot wait to see the full length of this. I will cry <laughs> like a drain. I will cry. But it's beautiful. We'll put it in the show notes. It is very uplifting. Could we love her anymore? Oh, God, she's just the best. We also have a monolith update. We've been mm. talking about this strange steel structure that appeared in the middle of the desert in Utah, far, far away from anywhere. I thought in you were going to say fashion then. <laughs> <laughs> this is fashion now. This is 2020 fashion. It's been removed um, and it's shown up somewhere else. You've got two updates for me. Two you updates. just told me you've got some breaking monolith news breaking as you walked in. News. I mean, to prove that this year is cursed, another monolith has turned up in Romania, yeah. I think, in a, a, a sort of a, a sacred site, I think, of some description. I'm not entirely sure. Should do more research. Haven't. Um, and I think people are <laughs> Isn't wa- that our job on bank? Yeah. <laughs> I just looked at a couple of pictures and went, oh, and it's a weird looking one. It's got sort of those swirls on it where it's been, looks like it's been welded or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the same monolith and no one knows how it got there or why. Something's happening. But uh, here we are thinking it's UFOs. We're thinking it might be, it could be anything kind of creepy and weird. But someone, apparently everyone's been trying to look for this monolith because it was found in Utah in a place where no one knew. And a bunch of people went there with a drone and they camped the night and during the night they witnessed four men come to pick it up and the four men said something to the people who were there who'd, who'd come to see the monolith and said, you'd better have got your pictures. He then gave it a big push and it went over, leaning to one side. He yelled back to his other friends that they didn't need the tools. The other guy with him at the monolith then said, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert. Then all four of them came up and pushed it almost to the ground to one side before they decided to push it back the other. When it popped out and landed on the ground with a loud bang, they quickly broke it apart and as they were carrying it to the wheelbarrow that they had brought, one of them looked back at us all and said, leave no trace. Oh, my God. I know. Yeah. Are they the owners of the monolith? I don't know. Are they the savers of the monolith? I don't know. I still don't know why. Are they <laughs> Are they upset that everybody's going to it? Because apparently oh, this gets these dark. guys had the drone looking and they could see people everywhere coming from everywhere ruining the landscape to get to the monolith. So maybe they thought this is a bad idea. Oh, it's, man. I don't know. There's something going on. I'm still just waiting for this to be the launch of a McHappy meal or something. Um, <laughs> 
don't. I love the monolith. It's been it's been a high point of the year for me. It's true. The monolith is amazing. <laughs> don't tell me it is too. You're right. Ah, <laughs> oh, this year is cursed. Next week, uh, we'll hopefully have some more monolith news. You know what else we're going to be doing next week? We're going to be banging back Yay! with you. We want you to tell us one thing that you would recommend to the Bang Fam over summer because we're going to be breaking soon, just for a few weeks. Just one thing because it gets too confusing otherwise for me. Yeah, what's your fa- I can't remember. <laughs> what's your favourite thing <laughs> of 2020? So it could be a book, a podcast, a film, a TV series, anything. It could be totally random. In fact, we love random. So our email address is in the show notes. Email us one thing that you would love to recommend to the Bang Fam. And we'll be banging back for the whole episode next week. So it's kind of like your summer culture list culture. Yeah. I laughed as soon as I said that because it's like culture. What? what this culture? isn't culture. Yeah. But Bang Fam will bring the culture. Yeah, exactly. You're going to raise us up. It's going to yeah. be high art. High art. Next week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I do expect not though, really. Get in. The email address is in the show notes. Great. Speaking of which, what are you banging on about this week? Oh, what am I banging on about? Um, if, I feel like we talk about what Mark Fennell does all the time. Um, but He does a lot. He does a lot. At all of he's it. prolific and it's brilliant. And I listened this week to that brand new podcast that he's involved in and it's actually an ABC podcast. It's called Stuff the British Stole and it's brilliant. It's about artefacts that you may have seen, very famous ones in museums such as the v and uh, and also the British Museum. It's amazing and how these artifacts came usually from the pillaging of other societies. Yeah, stolen, they yeah. just they just pinched them. I mean, we we're all very familiar with the Elgin marbles which of course were stolen by the British from the Acropolis. Mm. I mean, the the Greeks have made a museum, the Acropolis Museum where they put all the the marbles that they own and left spaces for the ones that the British have. And they won't give them back. And they won't give them back. So it's it's been going on forever. And what kicked this off was an interview with a woman that I've actually spoken to when I was doing radio as well. She's an Australian woman who lives in London who actually takes tours through museums and galleries, not official. She just takes her own tours and talks about where the artworks have come from, whether they be a byproduct of the slave trade, if they were if they were financed uh, or if they were stolen. So she talks about the uncomfortable experience of going to an art gallery or how it should be uncomfortable because quite a lot of it shouldn't actually be there at all. Mm. It came from rather dark places in terms of stealing from from people who owned those in the first place. So it's a fascinating podcast and as usual it's beautifully put together and it's um, it's really rollicking and a delightful tale as well. So many stories I can imagine. So many stories. Really yeah. good. Give it a listen. Awesome. Yeah, Only I three ha- episodes out at this stage but I'm sure there'll be more soon. I think he's putting one out week by week. So, yeah, mm. I'm going to catch up on that too because I love everything he does as well. What are you banging on about? I'm banging on about the winner of the Miles Franklin Literary Award this year, mm-hmm. the book The Yields by Tara June Winch. Have yeah. you read it? No, no. I, I think I need to. It's so good. Yeah. It's a story of connection to country and to culture and to language and that's the real key because language in this story and as I understand it now having read it in um, Australian Indigenous culture is it's really the string that holds it all together and and stretches back over tens of thousands of years, which is why there's been obviously this increased focus on saving languages, in some cases bringing back Indigenous languages, of which there are so many across Australia. And this book is such a great entry point if you, like me, are relatively uneducated about different language areas, different languages, and the way that it just... 
tells so much more of a story than just literally the translation of what something is. So this story, The Yield by Tara June Winch, is told via three different narrators and it pivots between the three of them. There's Albert Gondawini, who's writing the story of his life as he is on his deathbed pretty much. Um, He's also writing a dictionary of Wurundjeri words. And then also there's his granddaughter, August, who comes back from living in London. She comes back for his funeral and ends up sticking around, exploring her own story a little bit. And then there's these letters of a Lutheran missionary with good intentions way back in the day, you know, more than 100 years ago, who has, again, very good intentions but ultimately ignores the way that Indigenous Australians actually want to live Mm. um, and how that sort of the mission changed the plight of the Wurundjeri people in this particular area. It's just so beautifully written. I'd never read anything by Tara before and I just felt like I was being lifted with the words in this book, lifted into a story. There's a weird sort of time travel thing that goes on, very much tied into this sense of dreaming. And I kind of even went back and forth between because I got the audio book and I know you love an audio book and the paper book. Because the audiobook is narrated by actor Tony Briggs and I loved hearing the sounds of the words but I also wanted to see how they were spelt because it was all an education to me, seeing the way that different words which in um, Australian English are pronounced a different way and in different Indigenous languages and I think it varies, I'm assuming it would vary between different Indigenous languages as well, mm. different ways that different letters are pronounced and rolling of R's and all that kind of stuff. So it's a huge education but also just this amazing connection to culture and that link between the two was just so beautiful. I just loved it. Oh. This is a great, if we're talking about summer reads, yep. if you haven't got around to it, I can't Do recommend it. it highly enough, The Yield by Tara June Winch. It am... is so deserving of all the awards it's getting. I'm downloading it now off and I will be listening to it while I keep, continue to renovate my bathroom. There, oh, yeah. What are you up to now? To, um, I am currently painting my bathroom, which is painting the tiles, painting the cupboards, all of that stuff. And I'm so up myself, Zan. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so empowered. I can't believe you're not making a TV show out of this. I know. Someone said they should, but I'm, I'm still... Miss makeovers. The whole point of like social media is that you have fans who are interested in what you do, but I'm kind of looking at it going, this is pretty boring actually, but <laughs> I'm into it, but I can't imagine... Taking people through that process. No, it's it's no like, block. Like the time, no the time lapse videos are awesome. I love seeing a time lapse. Can you can you knock down a wall at some stage? Because I love seeing a time lapse. I don't video. have any walls to knock down. <laughs> it's a it's a two bedroom terrace, Anne. It's got two bedrooms and a big room up the back. Open plan living. Just <laughs> knock down the back wall. Open plan living all the way. I'll just break a fence. <laughs> Amazing. Unreal. Um, we're done for the week. We're done. Yeah. Next week we'll bang back. Sweet. All about you, bang fam. So hit us up on the email. See ya. Bye. Bang. 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 Bang on.